0: This is the best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at
1: capitalfinancialusa.com. All good. Uh, what did you see that's going well for NC State so far? They're tied 25 all against Kansas. What's working for the pack?
0: I mean, Casey Morseell's gotten off to a really good start. He scored in transition a couple of times, had some nice stops defensively. Um, I think for them to be. Uh, tied up with Kansas, and, you know, Terquavion Smith's had a really tough shooting start to this game, uh, despite having a couple blocks defensively, and uh, Grady Dick making, you know, 12 three-pointers already. <laughs> it's it's not a bad – it's really not a bad start for uh, frenzy State. I do think um, Dusan Masorchic, Morchic, the starting center for them, like, I just think he's been really solid for them all season defensively. Uh, you know, he gives them some size, some foot speed at the center position, a little bit of scheme versatility. Guarding pick and roll because he can switch, he can ice, he can you know play at the level or, or drop. So um, I think that's done a nice job, uh, you know, chipping away at Kansas's half court offense, and so that they could just close out a little bit better on, uh, on Grady Dick Then they could get even more sort of like half court kills against the Jayhawks. And then yeah, you just hope eventually Terquavion you know keeps gets hot at, gets hot at some point. And no matter what, even if that dude doesn't start making shots, Kansas at least has to guard him. And uh, I've seen Villon have a couple nice pick-and-roll passes. He he actually hit Mahorchic for a two not too long ago. So, yeah, I don't know. State hanging tough, at least the first – Fifteen minutes
1: of the half here. Um, let's go ahead and keep going with the report cards. You, you hit on a couple of things, not only for this game, but that have worked well for NC State early. Um, what, what's your early season four game report card for the Duke Blue Devils right now? What's working? Let's go with what's working well. Then I'm going to come back and ask you what's a concern for uh, for each of these teams. But what's going well for Duke through uh, first couple of games, including a loss to Kansas, but uh, good showing.
0: Yeah, the, that was the one game this season the offense really didn't fire on all cylinders and uh but they still had a good stretch, especially early in the second half. I think one of the things that would be most encouraging if I were John Shire or anyone else on that staff would be I don't know how much of Duke you've seen this season, maybe outside of the Kansas game, uh, Permar, but like the the ball moves for them offensively. Like sure. they get it side to side, it pops around. Um I think I just think like the half court on, and like con, like the connectivity they have um, in the half court offense is pretty good given how much roster turnover that was. And yeah, they've got a lot of good players, but I think that's been impressive. I also just am, I am struck by their versatility that they have because this is a team with Kyle Filipowski who's had an, an incredible start to his freshman season who can play the four or the five and can do basically everything offensively. I mean, can run, pick, and roll. He can screen and dive. He can spot up. You can run him off screens. You can isolate him in the post or out on the wing. Um, And then with guys like Mark Mitchell, Jacob Grandison, who's popped up and had a couple nice shooting performances for Duke, including against Bellerman the other night, and then now with Derek Whitehead, you're working him into the rotation. You've got a bunch of wings that you can mix and match, and you, so you can go small, you can go big. They've got two guys that can kind of run the show as point guards right now with Jeremy Roach and, and Tyrese Proctor, who's been a little up and down, but certainly had some some nice flashes. And the more you bring Whitehead into the mix, just the, the, the higher the ceiling goes for this team. And really the best part for them if you had to isolate one thing has probably been the second chance offense. Their top five nationally in offensive rebound rate and they're ninety plus percentile in, you know, put back attempts and put back points per 40 minutes too
1: i appreciate you uh not calling me out and going with the i'm not sure how much duke you've watched outside <laughs> of the kansas game instead of i know you haven't watched duke outside of the kansas game i appreciate that my friend uh, Settle there and uh let's, <laughs> let's complete the triangle i know we've got wake over there in uh in north carolina mm-hmm. as well but let's let's stick to the triangle for uh uh, for today's show, what's uh, what's gone well for the heels for the first couple games, and what a lot of people is, have termed is kind of a, a struggle start. I, I don't know if folks expected them to come out blowing out everyone by twenty because of the way they finished last season, but uh, it has not been a well-oiled machine. But what has gone well for uh, for UNC so far through a few games?
0: Yeah, I think I think uh, I, I think some. I think there was a period like this that should have been expected because I know they bring back mostly everyone and pete nance is good enough to just plug and play but it, we've perm you and i have talked about this before like the 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 combination of brady manic and armando baycott it was that inside out the high-low duo the the movement shooting of manic with the the low post uh power of, of baycott like that was that was the nexus of unc's offense in the half court last season and caleb love is good and RJ Davis makes good decisions with the basketball and he can shoot too, but like that was it. And, you know, look, Nance has had a nice start to the season. Like he's been arguably the team's best player, I think, in some regards. And he can shoot not as well as Manic, but you're just, they're going to have to replace that and kind of figure out what the flow looks like for them in the half court. I think they'll find it, to be clear, because they're they're experienced and really talented. Yep. <laughs> like that you can usually bank on those two things. I know baycott maybe hasn't been like amazing, amazing start the season, but I think he's been pretty awesome. I mean he's drawing fouls at a crazy rate. He's blocking shots. He's been a monster on the glass for them. And look, Caleb Love's not going to shoot below nineteen percent on threes for the whole season. Like he'll start he'll start making some threes and uh you know I think RJ Davis will start to shoot better too. So I think offensively, things have looked pretty good despite the fact that the flow I don't think is quite there for them. Defensively, it's just figuring out what your coverages are going to look like and can that no-middle defense force some more turnovers uh, from opposing offenses.
1: Brian Geisker joining us. You can check out his work at the BuzzBeat podcast where he talks horned stuff, but he also writes about some of the local teams at Pack Pride and Devil's Den. does some great Breakdown work, especially on some of these NBA-bound players on uh, on local rosters. Uh, give me, uh, if I had to ask you one concern for each team, your biggest concern for State, Duke, and UNC at this point in the season. Let's uh, let's start with the Pack, uh, who uh, I was going to give you a score update, but I'll do it in a second when they cut away from Seth Greenberg. <laughs> the Pack, who trails by six uh, here. Uh, what's your biggest concern for them this season?
0: Yeah, I think it's, I just think it's, um its defense you know like that which has kind of been that's been when they've struggled underneath Kevin Keats, like that's been the issue offensively they've been reliably pretty good even during some of the more lean seasons um you know i, I do think you got to figure out what does the coverage what do the coverages look like when DJ Burns is in at center and Horchich is on the bench um you know Ken Terquevion Smith who's act, again i think he had a nice defensive first half against Kansas here, but he's had some issues guarding the ball at the point of attack. And he can space out off the ball. And Jaquavion's awesome. And he's carrying a huge load for them offensively. So you're going to expect some of that. But I think for the most part, State has the ability to be a pretty good offense. They're playing with pace. They've shot a good number. They're targeting the right spots on the floor. Generally, I would just like to figure out where does the defense stabilize at? Can this be a top 75 defense? If so, State could be pretty good this year. If this ends up being, you know, an outside the top 100 defense, then you know it maybe becomes a little bit uh, problem more problematic.
1: Biggest concern for Duke?
0: Um, I think right now it's just like making sure they can get to the free throw line a little bit more offensively. Like it would mm-hmm. kind of surprise you. Um, I know it's just a five game sample, and I do think with Whitehead coming back, at you know six seven projected top 10 pick wing that can get downhill, draw contact. I think he'll help out a lot in that regard. Um, and But right now, Filipowski is really the only guy that's drawing fouls for them. So I would be trying to figure out ways to get Derek Lively involved a little bit more. Like he's at 10% usage rate right now. And, and like, he's a defender, like that's his thing. But I'd like to find the way to get him involved in some more roles, get him going downhill a little bit more. And then just kind of figuring out, who's going to be the guy for them to create rim pressure in late games? They've got lots of good options, so maybe it's a by committee approach, but I'll be kind of curious to figure out like by the end of last season it was Palo right and so where do things settle in this season with a with a you know it's a good problem to have but a pretty crowded kind of like playmaking room uh, with uh, with Duke.
1: And what about UNC? Biggest concern there is not Armando Bacot, like like uh, some of the fans. But uh, what's, <laughs> yeah. what's your biggest concern?
0: Yeah, I'm not worried about Armando. Man, the guy knows what, that guy knows what he's about. He's like one of the most self aware players. Yes. I, I think in the you know in the country, and also he's incredibly good at basketball. But um, yeah, I just think it's like similar to last year. It's just like solidifying the defense. I think ultimately that was the thing that kind of triggered for them last season. Was they Figured out their coverages with Manic and Baycott, and that allowed the defense to sort of like.
1: 888-843-0013 or text
0: Adam to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. Develop its floor, and then the offense was already pretty good, and you know you saw the team kind of take off. So I would say nailing similar to State. It's just like nailing down the defense, making sure that's good. Um, and I think a lot of that is on the coverages with the big guys and also making sure someone like Caleb Love like actually stays locked in all season. Because if he, he has the tools to be a good defender. Just throughout most of his career at UNC, we haven't really seen it.
1: Brian Geisiger, again, check out his work, Pack Pride, Devil's Den, and the BuzzBeat podcast where he does uh, Hornet stuff. Brian Geisker is also one of my millennial friends. I call him my millennial expert. He lets me know about how millennials roll, what they're into. He's the first person who taught me what <clears throat> cuffing season was. <laughs> and uh, had I known all these years that if there was, you know, actual, uh, there was a schedule to this type of thing, maybe I could have handled it better. Uh, but one of the things he's also been my insider on is friends givings. He's been to many. Uh, he's brought items for them. He has prepared them. So I asked you, Brian yeah. Geisiger, who are the three or more? I don't know how many you got there. Who are the yeah. people that you definitely find at a friends giving?
0: Yeah, so the first one of these is a classic one. And it's, I think, a role that I played at one point, but I've grown out of, thankfully, as I've become a slightly more functional uh, adult. But that is guy who, um, you know, doesn't, it, you know, it's a potluck dinner, right? But the guy who shows up with, like the, the, the drinks or something that's not prepaid, you know, like a bag of chips or something like that. And like, you know, it feels like their contribution is on par with everyone else. Yes. took, took time out of their day to buy ingredients and, and bake something. So that is like that is a, a go-to. There's going to be as long as you have enough people. One person there is definitely going to be playing that role. Okay, the next one. And this is a newer one per Mark, Okay, I like it. But as you've maybe seen uh sports gambling becoming, you know, a little quasi-legal yes. here in the United States of America, there is going to be someone there. It, it, tr- it used to be guy talking about his fantasy football team. Now it's guy talking about bets that he has on the game that night. Like is gotcha. there's someone that's got some app up on their phone and is talking about, um, you know, is talking about, you know, how up or how down they are or some dumb bet they lost the other day. So like those two are given. One of those is, is an old-timey classic. The other one is more, a, little more, more a, li- a little more modern. A little more sure. modern. Yeah. Yep, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then the main thing, though, the main thing – is you gotta have the like the the person that that literally holds the entire thing together is you gotta have one friend uh, that's willing to host the thing. And per m,ar <laughs> my friends who used to host Friendsgiving, they all have they a lot of them have young kids now, mm. uh, so we don't have we don't do Friendsgiving. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's, that's
1: a thing. and and like you probably <laughs> when you had Friendsgiving, like you texting your other friends about like. God, why, like why are these guys bringing this up three months early or whatever? Like why are they <laughs> yeah. why are they being so precise? Like yeah. you complained about them and now you're like now yeah. look at this. So you don't yeah. have the. I like to call that person the program director. I've, <laughs> in my in my life, I try not to in my friend group be seen as the program director. There are times where I will. Like, if I'm going to go all in and seize the program director role and be like, this is what's going on, right? I will do it. But I try and avoid being labeled the program director in my friend group for fear of feeling the burden of having to to do that <laughs> all the time. But no, yeah. I, I totally feel you. So to all the program directors out there in your friend group who Absolutely. hold the fr- Friendsgiving, we, we, yes, you're, uh, there is some sub-Friendsgiving text group that is complaining about you being kind of anal and starting the you know the planning thread too early or having some dietary need, but ultimately you are appreciated. The friendsgiving literally would not happen without you.
0: Exactly. Yes. Salute the MV- the real M V P.
1: Thanks, Brian Geisinger, uh, Have a hey, uh, you don't have to tell me where you're headed. I'll text you later. But have yeah. a great Thanksgiving uh, wherever you go. I know you'll be spending it with family and uh, and probably friends as well. Um, we'll talk to you after Thanksgiving, my man. Yeah.
0: Same to both. Same to you, Perm. Same to you, Victoria, and to all. Everyone. Out there who does celebrate, uh, yeah, have a good holiday. Cool, man. Talk to you soon. Yeah. Your journey begins here.